Need some better mic mic buffs on here. Just yeah, just giant mm -hmm. mic buffs. All right, folks, we are here with another GD podcast at the 2023 AG Cup. I see that. And I've got three out of the four reigning champions. We've got uh, Jake Vibbert's not here, but we have Austin. We've got Chad, and we've got Ben, who of all three won this match. Ben being last year, Chad being two years ago, you being the, the second AG Cup winner. Have you guys... What's the biggest change in the AG Cup that you've seen since you started shooting it? Since I started shooting it, the first year was invitational only, so that's changed pretty drastically uh, because it's just 20 guys getting invited. It was just a two-day match, uh, and it was the overall culmination of the two days. Uh, now, you know, you have to qualify for it. There's more guys in it. So that's the biggest change for me, and it's gone to a three-day match with – the third day being the the big money day, just everything resets. Day three does. So the first year wasn't like that, but every year since then has been like that. Okay. The yeah, first year was was totally different. Everything was like super blind stage kind of um, format. So it, it's a lot different. This year we can kind of see what guys are doing to some extent. Um, you remember that first year they. Yeah, we, we couldn't see nothing. They had us in, like, tens, our backs turned. Right. Which was a cool different uh, vibe than what we're used yeah. to. But Well, and it was, everybody was so scared to talk about anything. Oh, so yeah. everybody just kind of segregated, and it was a really long, boring day on the first day. And we none of us liked it, so we were just like, we're going to sit together and cut up because this isn't any mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, it's so painful we, it, you know, As long get... as we weren't talking about stages or wind or anything, it didn't matter anyway. Right. It was painful because you're with some of your best buddies and you can't, you feel like you can't talk. What right. are you talking about? Yeah. I, I, so I've been at, at all five AG Cups on the on the RO side. And that was one thing they were like, nobody talk, nobody do anything. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yep. Uh, nobody talk, nobody, nobody say anything. Hey, what are you talking about? Like, and it was just a, Hey Tom, they're talking, and now it's just arena was really the only place that we could keep you guys from seeing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it really didn't. Does it help you? Maybe a little bit, but it might entice you to try something that you're that you should right. be trying. But you guys are the best shooters in the world. Yeah, it's, you it, can seeing it out. one person do something isn't going to drastically change your game plan. Yeah. I, at least I don't think it would. Twenty twenty was my first time shooting AG Cup, and it was at Arena. And I was expecting to have that same kind of vibe you guys are describing, but uh, it was not like that. Arena is a little bit different just because it has those high berms yeah, there. And very much you so. can't see exactly, you can't see the firing position, but they weren't like trying to hide it in right. 2020. I thought that was a good compromise. Like you could kind of like see movement. You could hear the word impact and uh, see the sad faces. Or you could hear the gun go off yeah. and hear nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was the first, was that the first year uh, Ultimate Ballistics was out there, too? I don't 2020? Think so. Last yeah. year was. Uh, 2020? No, I think 2020 was. Well, no. Didn't we have a... Ultimate Ballistics was not done, but Haywood was running a scoring system, because yeah. we actually had a scoreboard. Oh, yeah. It was like an Excel, and he was like continuously updating yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. what, that was cool. So yeah. what he would do is he would get the standings. He'd go sync all the iPads as fast as he could to his master iPad, and then he would take a screenshot of it, 
and go into paint or art and then draw the cutoff line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he was that's, doing. That's right. And then he would put that picture up on the TV screen. That's right. The cool thing about apply, or Ultimate Ballistics, how they changed it this year with the success percentage-wise, right. you don't necessarily have to see who shot what stages. You know, you could just see, hey, this is their hit percentage so far. Right. And you can, you know, you can improve your hit percentage or it could go down. But after six or seven or eight stages, it's a little, a little it's harder a little to make harder. a drastic jump. So yeah. after six or eight stages, you're like, okay, this is kind of where I'm sitting. And to, to explain that, basically they had your hit percentage was points off of available points. Yep. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, he's sitting at 100%. It's what your hit percentage is off of available points that you've shot so far, which I think that was a really cool update and change because I didn't understand it when I walked up to the to the to the scoreboard the first time and Brandon had to explain it to me. So that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, yeah. After this, my first stage, I would have had like a 50% success rate. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those first few were rough. Oh, man. yeah. That was awesome. Uh, I mean, they were all the long range stages uh, and the long range stages are going to be a, a little bit harder. Um, what did you guys, what did you guys think about this range? Have you guys ever shot here before? I don't think they've ever had a two-day here, so... No, this no. is my first time being My here. first time. Same first. Yeah, yep. same first time being here. So, seeing the range layout for day one is going to be the same as day two. We're shooting the same firing line, everything like that. Um, what did you guys think of, like, range usage, prop usage? Um, we had a little bit of an issue with one of the stages. If you're watching the um, Shooter's Mindset live stream, you know all about it go back and watch it but um use of props use of distances big pans like what did you guys like so far out of the out of the day one stuff i liked the earlier stages that were harder um, yeah. i was pretty after the first few stages i was pretty excited that we were going to get to shoot a really hard match that you could miss a few shots and and still be okay you know you're, you're going to be the winner's going to be setting somewhere around 80%, maybe even a little bit worse through the day. And then after those first few stages were done, the stages got progressively easier. And and I was a little bit disappointed about that because I was just I was just looking forward to a good, hard, grinding match. Okay. And um, But I think the range is good. The props all seem really well. You know, we I thought one the same. With the one stage, but that's I thought the same. I just uh, – I don't know if I'm a huge fan of, like, shooting, like, all the long-range stages. I know why we did it, but back-to-back. Right. Back, it is kind of nice that like, you can ramp up and ramp down throughout okay. the day and, and have that level of focus because there's definitely stages in every match where you're kind of just like on autopilot cruise mode right and they're going to be there um i expected you know the spool stage was probably a, a gimme like yeah. shooting <laughs> shooting those three targets from the spool and prone um and there was a couple other stages that they were honestly they were the same exact dope like same range right um, yeah, okay. we, yeah i was really surprised after those first few stages we shot that we shot so many Stages that were just one range and all the same ranges and multiple in a row. Okay. And so that took quite a bit of, to me, that took quite a bit of complexity out of it that makes a challenging match that, uh, you know, we're all, we're all top level shooters here and, and you guys may not think it like I do, but honestly, if after a few of those in a row, I get kind of bored with it mm-hmm. and I, I want that mental challenge. I want that complexity and I want a tough stage. So you, so we had some hard stages at the beginning, then we had some softer stages. What did you guys think of, the pole stage was that an appropriate hard stage yes. grind it was yeah and then and then inversely the tank trap wasn't a very difficult stage mm-hmm. okay um but yeah i thought i 
if all the stages would have been like the first few stages and the and the pole stage, I think it would have been great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not that it wasn't a great match either. Um, a great day of shooting and it was fine. It just got a little bit boring, kind of rolled there through the middle. And I was, if the stages would have stayed as difficult as they started in the one that we ended on, I think it would be perfect. Or if there would have been any wind at all. Uh, that too. <laughs> yeah, that too. So, yeah. I mean, we were expecting rain today and we got a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of rain, but nothing, nothing crazy like people were kind of thinking we were going to get. Uh, yeah, but. You know, you hear that from some other match directors too, but I don't think you base your target size off what weather you're going to get. I think you make the targets hard whether there is wind or no wind. Right. And then if there's wind, it just makes it that much harder. But everybody shoots in the same conditions, so it's still a challenge. And um, then if you don't have wind, it's still a challenging match. Every stage should be a separate separator stage. At this match, it should be. Yeah. For sure. That makes we, sense. We had quite a few that weren't very separatory. Yeah. They We had half our squad clean multiple stages kind of in a row towards and i and i see what you're saying like the prs barricade one kind of like when i ran that one like not everybody cleaned it but i would say out of the 30 shooters here 26 of them did yeah that one was a cool one just to um kind of lure you into to go for the the stage win because you had to move after every shot so that, that one wasn't bad it was funny. I was sitting there like before the stage. I'm like, don't shoot two shots from one position. Oh, Please I know. Don't do it was that. hard not to. It was hard not to. Yeah. So for those people listening, it was a standard barricade, but you only shot one shot from the position, then you moved. So you ended up shooting the whole thing twice. Mm-hmm. Right. And then trying to choose which way you're going to shoot it. If you're going to go one, two, three, four, left yeah. to right, and then go back one, two, three, four, left to right, or if you're going to go one, two, one, two, and then move to the other side. We saw a lot of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was interesting. Um, John Pinch ended up getting the stage win for that. He did it in 40 seconds and some change. Um, And when he came off the stage, his first word was reckless. And (laughs) after looking, looking through the binos and seeing his impacts on target, it was definitely like, one high, one low, one left, one right. <laughs> yeah. Edge hit. Like, oh my Dude, goodness. Most people would kill to get a 40-second barricade run with two Normal shots per position. I know. <laughs> it was a pretty uh, quick time for me. That's way yeah. Yeah. It was an eight-inch uh, eight or two. I think. And it was eight-inch. Yeah. It was yeah. eight-inch. And it was reduced in size. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was wild to watch. Um, so, as being champions in previous years <laughs> – do you feel that there's an expectation to perform? Well, there's always an expectation to perform well when you're a top level shooter. You've been doing this for years. You've been to finale. You have bullets or golden bullets or um, AG Cup, you know, championship wins under your belt. Do you guys feel a higher level of performance is expected of you when you come back to this once a year match? Probably just self induced. Okay. You, you know you've done it, so that kind of gives you a little bit more internal confidence and a little bit more pressure on yourself, um, but not from not from any outside. Okay. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I think you always got people in your corner rooting for you and stuff like that, but I don't know that that, that adds any pressure over what you're just putting on yourself. Like Ben said, just because you know you've been here and you know you can do it, um, you just need to stay focused and shoot well and have a little luck on your side. Okay. What I got all my notes on my phone. I'm going to transcribe them over to paper so it'll it'll stop buzzing at us. I will say while you're looking up, I agree with the sentiment. It's it's mostly self self imposed, and then you look back and you see all the people back home rooting for you or in your region, and they're making Facebook posts and mm-hmm. like yeah. 
They're only proud if you win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you know they're so proud, but it's just like, you know, you want to you wanna make them proud. So, Ben, did you shoot? Have you shot all, all the years as well, all five years? Or? No, I missed out on 20 and 21. Okay, and you've shot all five years. I've shot all five And years. you've shot since, since 20. 20. Okay, so, you know, probably 10 years worth of experience of shooting, Matt, the AG Cup here. Mm-hmm. What did the AG Cup get right as a as the AG Cup, whether it was series affiliated through the PRS or not? What did it get right? In this match, I think it brought a lot of a. I think it brought a lot of attention to the PRS, to the, the Precision Rifle Series in general. You know, it's something now that is televised. I think it gained a lot of following just because it's a cool format. It's a lot of money for us for this sport. You know, for other sports, it's it's, it's really small tournament type stuff for other stuff. But for us, this is a lot. Shoot, we're shooting for a lot of money here, um, and I think that it's very intriguing. People can bet on it. People can follow. And and with it being the match set up the way it is people can come stream it and people can watch it from home and watch it live and watch a live scoring and i think it just gets a lot more interest in it a lot more uh people outside of the industry and outside of the sport like it just brings a lot of viewership i think outside of the country too yeah like the worldwide uh scene is getting crazy and i think i think ag cup has a huge part to play in that yeah, I think I remember factor. Tom saying his very first time I heard him give the speech about the AG Cup. He's like, I want to create a series that's or a match that's aspiring, that is prestigious, that like everybody wants to be at, but only a few people can. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's inspiring like to have these different levels of, of competition and for people to look up to you know, what we're able to do. It's, it's pretty awesome. I also think he got it right by making it, you know, what this should be it's an individual sport i mean why are we sharing information we right. shouldn't we shouldn't be at a, at a match like this so i think you yeah. got that right yeah too. And, and, and in a normal match it's hard to do that because you have all levels of guys and you guys and everybody wanting information and then it becomes just kind of this information sharing thing at a normal match and sometimes i think it can skew on who you see the best shooter for the weekend is depending on what happens whereas here you're going to find out who the best shooter of the weekend is because there is no sharing there's no sharing gear there's no setting up one tripod and everybody using it there's no sharing wind and you you i think there's some separation there okay it's, it's rewarding yeah yeah you, you know yeah, you at the end of the own. match you did it everything on your own yeah right because even matches that you win uh throughout the season regular two-day matches i mean you're still doing it you're still pulling every shot but there's a little bit of luck in, in draw and depending on your squad mates or whatever, you, you might be able to get a little bit of advantage just by being around, you know, good shooters, helping you with win. And that goes both ways, but this is cool doing every single thing by yourself. I would say that's one more thing Tom got right is putting the like stages, shooting them at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, because that's something that people complain about it. Pro matches all the time. Yeah. Oh, they shot the long range stage when there's no wind or whatever. Well, I shot, we shot them all yeah, at the yeah. same time mm-hmm. in the morning. Yep. Yeah, I, so that's something like the very first year we did it. You know, there's only 20 guys and we had two squads of 10. Mm-hmm. We'd pick two stages that were very similar in distance and very similar in setup and they'd shoot them all and then flip flop. Yep. yep. And it took all day long because you had pretty big squads to do that and it took a lot of time. But it was honestly about the most fair way you can do it. And even now, even with the four squads, the way the stages are set up, it's about the most fair you can get mm-hmm. in a match now. I mean, this, this yep. is about the best that can be. Mm-hmm. So besides your guys' AG Cup, day three or day two, whichever version you shot it, win, what's your favorite memory from the AG Cup? I mean, I, I like 
shooting a match with my friends, but knowing that uh, the best competitor will win that day. Right. <laughs> you know, like okay. there's there's no other way to explain it that uh, you look around and everybody has the same conditions. Everybody's shooting at the same time, but you're not sharing information. I just like that it, it's a it's a level playing field. You know, I really it really feels equitable. I mean, Tom kept using that word today, and it feels it feels fair. So. But you're still doing it with friends. I mean, right. honestly, since you can't talk about the shooting, uh, we talk more about family and what's yeah. going on in our lives right. and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So. I mean, I know John Pinch has been asked about how his hunting's going about 32 times Yeah, we today. can listen to it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I want to know how Ben's kids are doing. You know, like, I want to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got a favorite memory? As far as memory, um, it's a tough one. Uh, nothing really comes to mind in specific, you know, in particular, just, just hanging out with buddies. I mean, honestly, this, this one's been fun because we got to go shoot sporting clays yesterday and we got to kind of mess around and a bunch of us are staying in the house together and we started playing jungle pong. And, mm-hmm. What's and jungle just, pong? Yeah, I saw uh, that last it, night. It's kind of like it's ping life pong, changing. but you, the ball hits the table and it has to hit the floor one time. And then you have to hit it back on the table and then it rotates around people and you have like six or seven people, eight people, whatever, playing. And then you get strikes on the person and you get set at whatever, three strikes in your house. Clay's got a video. You run around a lot. It's pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. Clay's we got a, like a one-hour video of us playing. Yeah. We played way too late last night. <laughs> we did. We, <laughs> we got, we got I, a set alarm. I was dragging all day. I was tired all day because we stayed up playing Jungle Pong last night. We, I mean, we were just all drenched in sweat. <laughs> oh, we, were, we were drenched. Oh, just drenched. It, like we get done at 10 o'clock and it's like, I, I can't go to bed right now. I'm just drenched in sweat. I had to go stand outside and cool off and take a cool shower, wind down. <laughs> we, were, we were diving on the ground. Oh, yeah. Jimmy hit Hit the yeah. ground like four or five yeah. times, <laughs> crashed into the walls. Yeah, well, Jimmy broke his bracelet playing, and I think Austin I, Bushman has blisters on his feet. It, it, yeah, that's where the memories are made. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, those the matches are cool and fun, and you still get to hang out with your buddies. But I think all that other stuff is probably what I'll remember forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let me ask a, a, a hard question. Do you think that incorporating the AG Cup into the PRS series, do you think that having the two combined and you go to an AG Cup qualifying match and you have the match winner, but then you have an AG Cup winner that's getting a check and money, do you think any way that that somewhat took away from either that individual match or the AG Cup like combining the two series? I don't know that I don't think it did for I think for us it was nice to be able to go to some matches throughout the season and pay a little bit more money but have a chance to win some money right have a chance to win some cash because it was a two two hundred and fifty bucks extra on top of whatever the match fee was but then depending on how many AG Cup shooters shot the match the Mm -hmm. check got bigger Mm -hmm. right okay and and possibly pay down farther sometimes yeah okay and and possibly maybe it took away a little bit from the PRS portion of the match but I think it all integrated pretty well and I don't. And I don't, I don't know that it benefited or hurt it either. Either I liked that it, it, it like called people to go to certain matches. You know, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was a, a thirty or forty guys. You know, I guess maybe it, at the beginning there was probably thirty or forty guys going to these AG Cup matches, but it would end up be like twenty or so mm-hmm. later uh, in this the year. year? Yeah. yeah, this year. Oh, this year. Okay. Yeah. I liked that it forces people to shoot uh, locations that they normally wouldn't. Like I wouldn't have shot Kansas this year. I wouldn't have. Right. It's hard for me to get out to Oklahoma or anywhere super west, but if there's an AG qualifier, that 
helps me to justify it to, yeah. to get out there, which is cool. And that's, I got a lot of buddies all over around that area. So get to see those guys right. and play jungle. Pong. So with the right. normal qualifiers, you only need one, but with the AG right. qualifiers, you needed you three, three, you know, right. so you had there to was, travel to them. I don't know how many or seven or eight of them maybe. And they were spread out, like literally no concentration. So right. it forced, like you said, Ben, it I mean, forced me to see the country. Know, <laughs> one in maybe Washington and one in Kansas, one in Oklahoma, one in Georgia. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yep. Utah, Wyoming. Like Altus had one one year. Um, yeah, so okay, so it didn't didn't take away. What are your thoughts on this being the last AG Cup series match this format, this style through the, through the PRS? What are your guys' thoughts on it being the last, the fifth and say final year of doing it this way? If Tom decides to keep it going, or somebody else picks it up, or whatever. Whatever the future holds for for this style culmination, you know, big prize money match. What are the thoughts on that? I'd be sad to see it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, five years now, this has kind of been a big part of what we do through the year and what we strive for, and we're trying to get to this point. Um, you know, hopefully, if he decides to not do it, hopefully somebody picks it up and it continues in some some format or another. Obviously, it has to be a sustainable format, um, and and I do think that we need to get find a way to get more interest in it and find a way to get more guys to participate in it. Cause that's, that's, what's going to drive it is keeping participation up and, and you know, a few years participation has been down. So. Yeah. That's kind of what, what I've noticed too. It seems like it's waning participation. And I don't know if it's because people don't feel like they can compete or which makes me the most sad, honestly, like right. anybody I, can win this match. I, I mean, and, and I do think that that's it. I think that, that you know, we saw a lot of guys get in, and a lot of, a lot of people were doing it just because they could, and, and for the experience, and you, it's it's a cool thing to come do. You know, economies are kind of down, and guys are spending less money, and they're just they want to invest into other things and invest in just a cool match. So it's hard to get guys that feel like that they can't win to yeah. come, for lack of a better word, donate money in a match that they don't feel like they can do well. But I mean, my goal once I found out that you guys were at the match 2019 was to be invited to that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I realized in 2020 that you could work your way to get invited to that match, like right. that that year it actually was an invitational match like because of the series put it put a a, a way for you to get, you know, to, into, get there. to get there. It wasn't an invitational, but there was a way for you to work your way there, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Mm-hmm. And there was maybe 90 people that were trying, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and they invited 50 and 45 could make it. And then the next year it seemed to be a little less and a little less. And right. so that kind of from... bums me out a little bit because I think people would enjoy this format, you know. And, right. Because mm-hmm. 20 people came, were invited and then 45 and then last year was like 42 or something like that. And then this year is what, 30, 30. Well, 28, some people didn't show up, were right. weren't able mm-hmm. to make it, yeah. X, Y, Z. So the numbers do seem to be going down. But if we can, if there can be a way to reinvigorate it, and yeah. I think maybe with the fact that, you know, with Worlds coming up, I think that's going to drive a little bit of interest towards the shooting sports with America hosting it, that maybe we can drive some more more interest and get more people in, which is going to drive more people to maybe shoot a big money match like this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may, that may be something that we have to look at in the future to grow it too, is to figure out a way to be inclusive for international guys for the AG cup. Cause they, for them is, is a 
it would be such a huge investment for them to come shoot three AG Cup yeah. matches to qualify, oh. right? But if they had a way to qualify with whatever you know the the stipulations end up being, then you could probably more than double the participation from international guys coming over that shoot well. They come over for the experience and right. to have a chance to win big money. Maybe just have a buy-in option. Maybe, yeah. Don't even well, have I mean, to I shoot you know, the series. If, if, the, if the series matches are going away, there's going to be some other form of either invitation or classification buy or buy-in to be able to get in. Mm-hmm. And so now maybe that is an option to be able to get international guys to come and make it an option for them. Yeah. So. You guys already said getting internationals in here, but um, we've already got like a pro-am being the the gap grind. Mm-hmm. We've got the finale that brings international folks over here. Now we've yeah, got we the, saw a huge turnout from, of international people this year at the finale. Which mm-hmm. was great. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, awesome. I don't remember what the Yo, you were weren't there. I wasn't there. Okay. Yeah, there was. Uh, well, there was twenty or thirty international. Oh yeah, guys. easy. There, that's there awesome. had to have been ten or fifteen countries. Yeah, I yeah. think there was. There was a surprising amount it, of countries. It was a great turnout for for international shooters, and I think it's if cool. we could get them included in this too, that would really help drive one world attention, right? Um, and then just drive participation. I mean, I think it would help them too to legitimize the precision rifle sport in their home country, whatever yeah, that cause, falls. Cause we're already seeing a lot under. of that with the world's coming in, you know, there, there's exactly. a lot more countries that are, have a little bit more freedom in what they can and can't own, what they can do with the, you know, the world championships coming. Exactly. So you guys have obviously put in a lot of work, whether it's winning two day matches or golden bullets or just, you know, top tens in open or, winning the the AG Cup overall, what do you say to the young guy that's been shooting two, three years that says, hey, I made it to nationals, I shot nationals, I placed well, but I really want to test my medal or I want to be part of this. Like, yes, it's a financial investment, but I mean, you'd only been shooting for a couple of years when you went to and started shooting your first AG Cup back in, in, in 20. What do you tell the guy that's like kind of on the fence about it and, you know, wants to do it? Almost I mean, like, what do you tell the new shooter? From my right? perspective, like you have to want to put yourself in the difficult situation. So you have to do that uh, as quick as possible so you can figure out where you're failing and where you need to train. That was that was my goal in 2020 uh, was to make it to the AG Cup and the way to do that was to put myself in and like go out to Hornaday. Like that, that match is a ball buster, (laughs) like temperature wise, target wise, it's a ton of long range. It's the wild west out there. Like force yourself to find out where your failure points are and then work on them. You know, the the sooner you find those, the better. I think we've gotten into a point now to where a lot of people don't do that. Um, And they're just satisfied with getting some good scores at some of the easier matches. And then they, they, they never really improve because they don't push themselves. They don't find those buttons that, that are holding them down. And, uh, you know, they don't, like you said, they don't go out to the hard match. They don't go out to Clay's or they don't go out to Hornady or something like that and shoot a, just a really hard match. Because, number one, it's humbling to go shoot a match like that. And number two, you really find out what you're bad at and what you need to work on and what you need to improve on. And then whenever you improve on that because you're already good at this other part and then you become a much more well-rounded shooter and then you can kind of handle any situation that gets thrown at you. Okay. So we didn't touch on it, but like 
you've all been shooting for a while. You've all obviously done really well for yourselves. What is the, what is the, say, one piece of equipment that you think you can't change because it's either your favorite piece of equipment or you think it provides you something um, that you can't find anywhere else, whether it be an ace break per se, or uh, a shot timer or the barrel that you spin up, or what is that one thing that you think is, is, is critical to your shooting game? And if it was one thing, that would be so easy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not. Right. It, it, yeah, it is I one thing. It's an ace break for me. A Kestrel would be hard to convince yeah. um, for me. Like I have to have a good solver. Yeah, okay. but there's yeah, but there's so many good phone apps and other there things is. now. I just get so much yeah, confidence from it. I don't feel like it's just one thing because at the end of the day, to be highly competitive over and over and over, be consistent. Every piece of your kit has to be lined out, has to work every time. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's an interesting question because mm-hmm. people always want that question, and that's why I asked and you it. Can't answer and no, because you can't. No, answer because it. I guarantee anybody at this table could switch actions or stocks or mm-hmm. scopes or rings or triggers or whatever and give it a few, you know, 50, 60 rounds with it, and you're going to compete just the way we compete. Mm-hmm. As, long as, it, as long as it works, right? As long as it's accurate, consistent, and works without failure, then there's not anything I don't think we could change in our kit that we couldn't do without. Yeah, so we, it, we it, all have gear that's pretty... I wouldn't want to change Drastically different. That's <laughs> 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 one thing I don't want to change. Yeah. So, if it's one thing. So... And I asked that question to then ask this one. So it really doesn't matter what you're running. You don't have to go out and run and get the latest and greatest piece of thing. Yes, it does help the the people in the industry that are selling that latest and greatest thing. Except for an ace break, you have to have one to be good. <laughs> <laughs> but but Austin said it best. Like you, ha- it has to be reliable. It has to work. It has every to time. be reliable. And it has you have to, to work. know it in and out so that if it, if something's not right, you need to be able to know. So mm-hmm. so whether it's your 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 Howa 1500 or your Bergara B15R, like if you know that thing in and out, you can go out and do well at a match. Yeah. If you know your equipment and you know it works and it does work consistently for you. If it's consistent you. and accurate and you know it, then you can compete with it. Well, that brings up a topic like we covered earlier, like going out to the matches that really push your comfort zone. Um, those also usually test your gear like better than any match. It's... K&M's one of the coolest ranges in the world, but it's not going to test your equipment like it, um, you know, a super windy, dusty out west match like yeah. Hornady or yeah. any of the Oklahoma matches. So after you go through one of those matches and everything works flawlessly, you know it's going to work in in any situation. So get your confidence there. Okay. So you said going to you've said Hornady and you've said Oklahoma a few times. How do you guys? pick the matches you're going to go to obviously like things have to line up like kids recital or or family commitments or whatever but how are you picking the matches that you're going to go to that's a pretty loaded question for me because a lot of the matches i picked last year were in order to try to qualify for worlds Um, so i went to matches that i normally would not go to just because it's either you know just because it's not a style of match that i enjoy shooting um you know, being from Oklahoma, I like shooting tougher matches and, and in the wind. And, and Hornady, I like going to Hornady because it's a tough match. Like I said, it's a ball buster, but it's fun. Like, it's not just – you're not going to go set and shoot one target at one distance mm-hmm. on very many stages at all. 
Um, you're going to shoot multiple targets. You're going to shoot long range. You're going to shoot a few, a little bit of short range. You're going to shoot in the wind, and it's it's kind of a destination place too because it's it's a neat area. You know, it's a 45 gonna, minute driveway. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a long drive in. Um, <laughs> it sounds like they have I, a lot of troop lines, which you we know there. you love. Yeah, well, I've never sure. been. That's the that. best one to RO, by the way, because they treat the ROs like yeah. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get to stay in the cabin and you get to fish for those gigantic that's trout. Right. I think, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Um, I like to go, you know, I usually try to pick one range and area, maybe even state that I have never been to mm -hmm. each year. So, so this past year I went to uh, Pennsylvania and shot that match up there, shot Matt Steiner and Ken Sanofsky's match. And I'd never been to Pennsylvania and I'd never been to that range. So that was really fun. Um, likewise, you know, I try to go someplace I've never been this year yeah. for me, it was Idaho and I'm glad I went there cause that's where the finale is going to be next yeah. year. Yeah, but I did not like having to pay for the plane ticket twice. Yeah, I heard. Oh, <laughs> that was painful. I bought the wrong month. Like, these guys oh, probably don't know, I but know I bought February and the match was March. I was oh. trying to book all my, my flights at the end of the year and just messed that up. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ben? How do you, um, how do you pick your matches? It, it's tough with three little kids now, but I like to get at, at least out to one or two new states a year. Um I wasn't really focused on worlds like Austin last year. And then once it was announced that it was in the U S I kind of focused on that a little bit more in the, I AG, think everybody in the AG, yeah, the AG <laughs> series me. tied into that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I shot a couple more AG matches, um, than I normally would, but yeah, if I can get out to one or two new States, uh, every year, that's, that's a good season for me. Yeah, especially at different ranges, just different mm -hmm. styles. You know, you can go to, you, you you can go to such drastically different ranges across the country. You got stuff in the southeast and the northeast and the you know, Pacific Northwest and California and, and I I personally enjoy shooting a lot of the uh mountain states. You know, Colorado. You got your Colorado matches and Wyoming they used to have some matches in Montana and I like going to those just because they're kind of destination places. Right. Most of the time and they're in the summertime and you can kinda of escape the Oklahoma heat and go out in the higher elevation and getting the cool air just yeah i mean it's it, it's all about scheduling with work and scheduling with family and trying to hit the qualifiers you have to hit and then just going places that you're going to have fun it gets really boring you know it, for me it gets really boring if you go to a match that's fairly easy that's not that is not real cerebral right doesn't, doesn't require a lot of bang, brain power i get a little bit bored there and it almost feels like a wasted weekend okay yeah, my, a long wasted weekend because yeah, you're looking sure. at like five days, you know? Yeah. Especially if you don't do well. Yeah. 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 Like if it you do well worse. or win it, then it's not necessarily a wasted weekend. But, yeah, you want to be challenged. Especially, I mean, I've almost been shooting this a decade. And, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of matches where you just don't really feel challenged. Yeah. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's like, you know, one distance, two distances, mm -hmm. you know you know, two rounds from five positions and it's the same target. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. there, I think there was some good movement today and some, some, some different distances stuff. But like you said, mm -hmm. there was some, you know, I mean, I timed out a couple times and I don't normally was, time. Out. Yeah. There was, <laughs> I, I, did one, I guess everybody did. Cause everybody, yeah, everybody timed out on that out. top conics mm -hmm. that nobody got through it, but that's, that's the only one I timed out on. That's and And Tom said, he's like, nobody will, and he he made a positive statement. He said nobody's going to finish this one. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. I don't know. We got some fast guys, and I guess it came true. So yeah, it was a, it was the up and down thing. 
Right. Having the prone and the positional, had it been all positional, you know, rooftop and then all positional, there would have been several guys to get through. But the mix of the two is what made it right. In technical prone, like you had to, yeah. you had to put your it was bipod, through a triangle. That's right. You had perfectly. to put your bipod yeah. perfect and, and get set up perfect. I was hunting for targets. But so that's a shame. I know you I couldn't do find that. it. <laughs> couldn't find it. <laughs> Time. Yeah. I did get I did get a hit at one hundred five twenty two. So. Freebie, got a freebie. I, I, I felt okay with that at that. I would too. Yeah, the first. I think it was the first four stages. Uh, the best, the guy in num- number one spot was still under eighty percent. Wow. So I, w- I would take every point that I could. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, I thought we were really gonna have a. We were really gonna have a match. Okay. <laughs> Francis is threatening me. Yeah, he yeah. is. We're gonna wrap this up. So. Um, as we wrap it up, what, what's the last thing you guys want to say to, to the folks listening about your fifth, your fourth, your third trip to the, to the AG Cup and, you know, the last coup de grace here at Clinton House, Plan, uh, Clinton House Plantation here in Clinton, South Carolina at the fifth AG Cup? I'd say for a last statement, if this continues and we keep having AG Cups, man, come to one this is something that i feel like every aspiring shooter should experience because it's such a different format it's such a different feel it's a such a different vibe um and it's it is just fun where you can come hang out in a smaller group it's not a huge group of people you can get a lot more intimate with the guys that you see a lot but you don't get to talk to necessarily a lot um and it's just a really cool experience i'd say just come out and try it yeah i would say it's the only match like it of its kind so uh we need to keep it around Mm. and you want to shoot this match because you want to know where you stack up against these guys. Yeah. Yeah, same. And if it changes hands and it's a little bit different format, just kind of jump on it because it might be the next, you know, thing that sticks around like the PRS kind of has throughout this whole, I don't even know how long. 11 years? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably 2012-ish. That was the first year of the PRS, 2012. Yeah. It sounds like something we should know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's a long time. Yeah. It yeah. feels like forever. Nobody's been here that long. <laughs> yeah, no. But it's not that long. We'll, we'll I ask, mean, this no, sport is really young, it's, man. It's still yeah. in its infancy. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll ask Ken. He'll know. Or he won't. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck tomorrow. I, ho- I hope to see you all in day three because I, I have actually seen all of day three. And the different parts of the property are going to be super cool to uh, – to shoot on. I think it's going to be small targets and some, some different scenery of this 2,500 acre property. This place is huge. It's so (laughs) massive. It's so massive, but I think day three is going to be a good time. So I hopefully we'll see all of you there and we'll see you around the rest of the weekend. I know I'm going to see you guys tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks guanks Yep. Thank you.